0: you are getting an on-air coaching call
1: on women taking the
0: lead. One thing I used to say to my clients when they had this big work in front of them was, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. (laughs) The good news is the work is never done. And they'd look at me kind of funny and I'd say, and the bad news is the work is never done.
1: Hello, my name is Jodi Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits. So let's get started. All right everyone, thank you for joining us. I am here for our second on-air coaching call and with me I have Libby Button. And Libby, I'm going to ch- Usually I read a bio and it's all very formal, but actually what I've been hearing from people is they kind of check out a little bit when I'm reading a bio. <laughs> so I think it'll be a little more organic if you tell us who you are, what you're up to in the world and then I'll take it from there.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Jodi. That that sounds great. First of all, I want to just take a second and thank you for, for inviting me to be on here because I love spending time with you. So this is going to be really fun. Um, like Jody said, my name is Libby Bunton. I am actually an area manager with Arbon International. Um, my story is interesting how I got involved in the business. Um, and before that, I was trained as a master's level uh, clinician in mental health counseling. So i um, trained as a clinical psychologist, but now i Primarily and solely run a business with Arbon.
1: Mm-hmm. And tell us about Arbon. What is what is Arbon all about? Their mission and what you're trying to create with your business.
0: Um, Arbon is a 37 year old health and wellness company. Um, it was founded by a Norwegian man, a visionary, um, and he really wanted women to be empowered. At the time, it was women when he started the company. We have a lot of men getting involved now. Um, And he wanted women at the time to be able to create a really abundant life um, around their family instead of trying to create a life uh, with the scraps that are left over after your career. Um, And he's actually quoted as saying, if you make women millionaires, you'll change the world, which is one of my favorite things um, that I've heard about him. So we, we sell health and wellness products, so everything from skincare to nutritionals, um, and we're non-toxic. We've always been vegan, even before people cared about those things. And it really is, uh, we're in the industry of social marketing, or some people might know it as network marketing. Um, but it really is, we always like to say a personal growth business masked by health and wellness products, because it really is about, it's a, it's a leadership business
1: hmm And what's your own personal mission with your business?
0: Well, my own personal mission, I think in life, I, I recently, it's interesting you should ask that question because one of my mentors last month encouraged me to kind of sit for as long as it took, a couple of weeks, a couple days, a couple months, whatever, to figure out who am I and why am I here? And what I came up with is I'm a connector, a giver, and a leader. Um, and that I'm that in all parts of my life. So my mission is really to connect people to uh, each other, um, and also to powerful information, to a vessel through Arbon if that's something that they're interested in to help change their lives, to give to others um, with the opportunities that I have through Arbon or through the other aspects of my life that I've built myself in, um, and to lead people towards their greatness because I believe you you can only you know, move towards your greatness or move away from it. It's not that you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. So um, my mission is just to help as many people as possible and to have fun while I'm doing it. And and I really do have a special place in my heart for empowering women. I grew up with a single mom. So I it's, it's kind of my dream come true, which is funny because I was so wildly opposed to even hearing about the industry for so long.
1: Yeah. It's so funny how um, we can be living our dream and yet become disconnected from the reality that we're living our dream because we get caught up in the muck and the burden and the to-dos and and all of that. But when we take a, a step back and then really reflect on, well, who am I in the world? What's my mission? Like, oh yeah, I'm doing this i'm doing that i'm living my dream and then, like the key is to really stay present to that mm. um which we'll probably get into in just a bit and also i wanted to create some other context for those of you who are listening in and thank you so much for being here because i know you know you're going to get a lot of value out of this this conversation has yet to happen and i already know it's going to be uh pretty wild and awesome um libby <laughs> is a member of my own b i chapter she and i met probably all, probably going on about a couple years years ago, Um, and she really is who she has described. She has really been like such a light in my life. She brings so much joy to me. She always has a smile no matter what she's going through, and you've had some craziness happen (laughs) in your life since we've met, um, but always looks like she and I both have the value of having a sense of humor. So we both agree (laughs) that it almost doesn't matter what's happening. Like you really, your ability to kind of laugh in the face of it will get you through it and make you a better person on the other side. And also I have um, talked a little bit on this podcast about an assessment tool that I use in my business to help people identify where they're experiencing stress in their life, what things are holding them back at a certain point. And Libby, you did take the assessment. So um, can you share with me and with everyone else what your experience with that was?
0: I would love to. Um, I I love referring people for the assessment. I think it's the easiest thing. It's great for my team. I've sent just so you all know. I've sent my most precious team members to Jody. Uh, referred them to her to have to take the assessment. So just a little bit of context around getting coaching. Um, I'm like I said, trained as a master's level clinical therapist, and had been I guess you could say courted by some really amazing business coaches, but I never really totally clicked. With what they were offering until Jody's assessment. Um, that was, I think, probably about a year and a half ago that mm-hmm. I took it. Yep. And when, one of the things that I really found value in that made me want to take it is that it's evidence-based. So being trained as a psychologist, that meant a lot to me. Um, it wasn't just some, you know, like a questionnaire per se that somebody created. It's an evidence evidence-based assessment. And then you do a 75-minute debrief, Um, I was at a point in my business where, if I'm being perfectly honest, what I do in Arbonne, the skills are very basic, um, the actual everyday skills, but the art is mastering your mindset and your energy. And for me, taking the assessment was a real honest look at where my energy was not being spent well and where it was being spent well and how I could kind of move the puzzle pieces around to maximize um, what I'm really capable of. And Jodi really went above and beyond in our debriefs. And I'm sure she does that with everyone. I was just, I was so delighted um, with, with just having an honest picture, like I said, of where I was. And since then, my business has grown um, exponentially. And it was really kind of a a great, I guess you could say jumping off point for my next uh, level of growth in my business. Yeah. And you've really rocked it
1: out over the past year and a half. <laughs> it's been so fun to watch you. And just in some of the conversations we have, you've, you've done this for me as well, where we're like a mirror to each other, reflecting mm-hmm. back what's going on. All of a sudden we're like, oh yeah. Oh, ouch. I'm doing, that. <laughs> I'm doing that. But what's really cool right now is, I'm sure you don't always feel it's cool, but I'm watching you and I think it's so cool. You're at that next place. You are bumping up against what it's going to take, to go to the next level in your business. And I say this is true whether you're in a corporate job or whether you have a business. Like in businesses, there are promotions. Right. Just like there is in a corporate job. And every promotion requires you to have a more expansive mindset, level of awareness, consciousness. Um, you have to develop new leadership skills. There's a little less doing and a little more coaching the higher you get up in your business and your leader, you know, and in corporate. And so Libby's at that next day, and there are multiple. (laughs) right? The, this happens multiple times along the way. It's not just like three times and then you're free, right? You like right. Always, there's always the next thing. So you are right here in your business. It's a pivotal place. Um, and so you're bumping up against some stuff. So, the, so I knew this would be a great opportunity for us to have this chat and see if maybe I could help you get there. Because I know the next couple of months are, are pivotal for you. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So what do you got for us? Why don't you describe (laughs) what's, what's going on for you?
0: Well, one thing I just want to say real quick is what you just reminded me of is I used to say this to my clients when I was still a clinician. And and just for the people who are listening, I left my job last December, which was really an incredible shift in my life. And I'm super grateful for that. But one thing I used to say to my clients when they had this big work in front of them was, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. (laughs) The good news is the work is never done. And they'd look at me kind of funny. And I'd say the bad news is the work is never done. What I mean by that is you can let yourself off the hook. This is a lifelong process. And what you just said about, you know, it's not like this just happens three times in your business. It is, it's a, an ongoing process and we never arrive. So Mm -hmm. being aware of that, I think was really helpful for me. It gave me, um, it took some of the pressure off because the work really is never done in my opinion. And if you think it is, then you probably have some some looking at yourself to do. So, right. um I just wanted to say that. So, as far as the context of where I am right now, um specifically in my industry and in my company of Arbon, there are four levels and the third level, I'm at the second level. The third level is where you promote to VP and this is a big lifestyle change. Um you really, you know, massively increase your income but you also get a paid for white mercedes um, so you know to be honest, I didn't care about the car when I started my business But now i'm not going to be sad about that um, but what it what it really is It's an indicator of having helped more people and having led more people to where you've gone So, you know, you have to go the way first and then show the way and so I'm at the, really at the show the way point, because I know how to go the way I I do that sort of, I've kind of, I've gotten really good at that in my business. Um, but what I've been noticing is, and we've talked a little bit about this, Jody. since we do, I do have the benefit of having personal time with you every week um, at B&I. But um, what I've noticed is, so last month I doubled my business in one month, which was amazing. And um you know the biggest work that I did when I looked back at that was growing my spirituality, my connection with my higher power. Um, it's different for everyone, and I love that about the world. Um, but for me, it was really being quiet, growing myself spiritually, and it, it. I felt very connected to that higher power, and I also felt a little isolated because what I was noticing is my relationships, my very close relationships that I value a lot. I was feeling some conflict, some unspoken conflict, like an undertow. And I had to be really um, I had to really protect myself against that and just kind of not engage with those people at, at that moment and uh and really just go back to my my soul connection with God and and try to work it out there, I guess you could say. And I think it's at the point now where I feel like I need to figure out what those blocks are because I don't want to keep isolating myself from people I really care about. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing for me. And also the more people you lead, the more opportunity for conflict. I also believe that more conflict is more opportunity for deeper connection if it's addressed appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's really relationship stuff right now um, that I'm noticing is, is kind of cropping up.
1: Okay. So this is this is what I heard you saying is that last month you doubled your business and you believe it was as a result of your deepening your spiritual connection to yourself and your higher power. And you're seeing this also as something that caused tension in mm-hmm. some of your closest relationships. So you think there's a direct connection between your growth and spirituality And the the conflict that you've experienced with your closest relationships, but that you're also, um, is it that there is more conflict with the number of people that are coming into your life or that you're gearing yourself up to be prepared for it?
0: Um, Well, I will say that I've had some big leadership moments in my my life in the last few weeks um, because sometimes, no matter how much work you've done or how self-aware you are, you can say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I've had to be really humble about that. Um, I think So I think there's an element of some conflict coming up. And I'm actually really grateful for that because it makes me a better person. And I'm really, truly willing to revisit it and go back and own my part in that um, and engage with the person and and work it out. Um, I think part of it is not not necessarily so much my growing my spirituality um, and finding out what my real purpose is, but I think it's the level of my declaration, like my goal is very big. And I think in the in the face of a huge change, because this will although everybody wants me to be a VP in Arbon, it really does shift some of the dynamics in my personal relationships, my professional relationships. And that requires everything to change, I think. Um, so I think there, there are multiple, there's some moving parts here. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. (laughs) Um, and we, we chatted a little bit about this in our, our casual conversations about how in any relationship, if one person changes, the other person has to change Mm. or the person who changed will change back. Right. I think Anybody who's done a lot of personal development work or especially if you've gone away for a weekend, you've done a retreat or something, you realize like you find peace, you find calm, you you've experienced some enlightenment, and then what will happen to a lot of people is they will then report say 3 to 6 months later is they went back to their life and yeah. everybody was still the same. <laughs> Right. And eventually they lost the peace. They lost the connection. They lost the enlightenment because it was just overwhelming. Right. They couldn't mm. maintain the change that they experienced. Like one, one, um, and I don't mean to like make this out like it's a battle, but somebody's going to win over. Mm. Right. If you hold to your truth, right. The other person has two choices they can shift you know, who they are, at least when they're around you, or they can go away. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like magnetizing. We're either going to attract, repel, and sometimes there's neutrality, right? Right. So, you know, we think about like our intimates, those people who fuel us, we are attracting them. People who we've got a a neutral attraction to or like kind of the acquaintances who are just kind of on the periphery. But then there are people that like who we are and the, um, the level that we're vibrating at, Mm -hmm. they can't handle. And so we will repel them. So they have two choices. They can either level up or they have to step away. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you've created these, um, those changes haven't happened yet, but what you're sensing (laughs) is that like the attraction is like, it's in a dance right now. That's, that's where the conflict is happening. And that's what you're having to figure out.
0: Just- what Actually, that makes 100% total sense. And something just kind of came to me while you were saying that. Well, a couple things. So one thing is I used to talk about this in family dynamics. So we create our own family, you know, with our friends and our associates and all that. And you know this is classic psychology stuff that it balances itself like a mobile. Even if the homeostasis is unhealthy, mm-hmm. um, it still finds a way for the mobile to balance because everybody has their part and everybody's used to each other having their part. Yeah. And what just kind of came to me is, and it sounds really simple, but... Uh, is that I've been showing up until this point of really figuring out who am I and why am I here and getting very clear about that and committing to living out that purpose and passion. Um, until this point, I have been a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, most often it had has been historically to put them at ease and comfort them. And, uh, you know, there's some... There's always, I always say there's a, you know, codependency can be healthy and unhealthy. So I think there are aspects of that that can be helpful. And now I'm really, I've really been drawing a lot of boundaries um, and just allowing myself to be me for myself and for everyone else. And that's going to take adjustment. I mean, that mobile is going to try and find homeostasis in the way that it used to. Right. And that homeostasis doesn't exist anymore because I don't exist that way anymore.
1: Right. And I, I think what, what I'm hearing too is you're realizing it's not that you have to change back. You know, right. and it's not like you're like, well, I've changed and the people around me have to change too. Like, it's more like, cause who you are is that connector, that giver, that leader. And if this makes perfect sense now that we're talking about it, <laughs> like it's no mistake that you became a clinical psychologist. Like you mm-hmm. want to help people. You have tremendous compassion for people who are in the struggle. Right mm-hmm. Of life, and you know what they've been taught, so I can see that you're gonna have a lot of compassion for these people that you're experiencing conflict with, but also like the boundaries are going to renegotiate this relationship that you have as well. Um, I also want to offer this up to I read um a book recently called the female brain um mm. and what particularly stands out, although you are not going through menopause, <laughs> <laughs> what it talked about was how when women go through menopause, the chemistry of their brain changes and they start putting out um, less of the hormones that would cause them to self-sacrifice for other people. And so they're, they're not getting, I think it, it might be, I don't want to speak out of turn, so I don't want to name it, but this chemical that would cause them to get that rush from helping other people is no longer there in the same quantity. And so they start, that's why women in their fifties start going, F it. I'm living, I've been giving to everybody my whole life. Now it's my turn. I'm da, da, da. And a lot of women in that stage also initiate divorce because mm. They, they don't know how to handle the fact that their partner is now in conflict with them. Right and they might've had husbands that were like, I don't know why she's unhappy anymore. Like she right. used to make dinner all the time. She <laughs> used to do the dishes without complaining. And now she's off with her friends and she's not right. around and we don't get to hang out. Get to, and it's not like, well, like your, your green chemistry has necessarily changed, but you're also at a place where you, you are recognizing that to achieve the dream that you want, you do have to have, you can still have compassion and you can Mm. still give and connect and be a leader. But I think the more, the leader side of things is going to kick in more. And so that is going to require you to set boundaries and interact with people at their highest level and not at the story that they are telling themselves. You, and I think you know what I mean.
0: Like, I, t- I really do. I really know what you mean by that. And I, I've actually experienced this before in my life, just not so profoundly. Um, as you were describing that, when I went to graduate school, I was in grad school full-time. I bartended at a restaurant. I had a grad assistantship. So I, you know, I was a go, go, go kind of person. And I remember all my friends being like, I can't wait till you're done with grad school and everything can go back to normal. And then grad school finished and nothing went back to what, you know, that homeostasis, whatever you want to call it, because I had changed and not to say that they hadn't changed as well. They just it, you know, wanted to kind of pull me back into a context that I didn't have a role in anymore, I guess you could say. And for me, um, it was, you know, loving people, I guess this is really an overarching thing is loving people where they're at and saying, I don't, I'm not asking you to do anything that you're not ready for that you don't want to do. And this is not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have this conversation. It's more in my mind. I, and I'm going this way. You can come with me you know, but I can't stay here.
1: Right. Right. Um, And right now I think you're having these conversations in your head. But Mm -hmm. I will say what saved the marriages of the women going through menopause, the ones who did not initiate divorce or or try to initiate, and ultimately the marriage was saved, was they had to renegotiate the rules of the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. We we have this, um, even though we know it's not true, we live like relationships are going to be the same forever. And they Mm. absolutely are not. You (laughs) talked about that. How like conflict actually creates opportunities for a deeper relationship. Well, there's a step between conflict and the deeper relationship (laughs) and it's the conversation where it's identified what's working, what's not working and renegotiating the rules Mm -hmm. of the relationship. But that happens out loud.
0: Right. It does. (laughs) It does. And sometimes it's really not comfortable. Um, So I'm, I mean, you know me well enough, Jody. but for those who are listening, I'm, I'm always willing to have that conversation. I might really struggle in the moment or when it's initiated to begin with, I might not be able to do it right then, but I am, I really am committed to going back and having those direct conversations. Um, but it doesn't mean I have to be detached from the outcome. Mm -hmm. I have to know that I'm having that for myself. And one thing that, Stood out to me about what you just said is we, one thing I know about women is we create our purpose through relationships. Um, You know, we're an internal purpose driven um, gender, I guess you could say, and men are more external purpose. Um, And I think what the shift that you're describing is we spend so much energy uh, meeting the needs of our external relation, you know, our relationships with others. And then we come to a point where we really need to be building the relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, I don't see that as selfish. I think that's going to help the relationships you have with everybody else. And it doesn't mean that the people aren't going to want to try and pull you back into, they're going to keep trying to interact with you in the same way mm-hmm. but they're not going to get the same result. Okay. So that's where I think where some of the frustration might be for my relationships is that people are doing the same thing we've been doing for a long time and I'm giving a different response and it's uncomfortable for me to give a different response. And uh I think it's uncomfortable for them too.
1: Like natural and uncomfortable all at the same time. Because now you're seeing that there is an option for a different response. And actually probably your internal um, drives are actually calling you to give a different response and that's creating conflict
0: within you as Mm -hmm. well. Okay. It It is an internal conflict. And I think that actually just sent off a light bulb as well is that, I don't believe that before this point, I think I had an internal conflict with my real values that I have established in this moment. I was not living those out because I was still catering to other people's needs before my own. Mm -hmm. So I had the internal conflict of here's what's important to me and I'm not necessarily going to attend to that because I have these old roles that I play for people.
1: Okay. I want to take a moment too. I think you get this, but I want everyone listening to get this as well. Whenever we are living in discord with our own values, we weaken our immune system, Mm. right? We disempower ourselves. Our power comes from, and our joy comes from living according to our values, even if it's hard right? Mm-hmm. Like when we are in alignment with our values, we are on top of the world. We are at the top of our game. There's nothing that can stop us, blah, 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 blah. right? Like it just is smooth sailing. But when we are living in discord with our values and we're going against our core values, it steals our power. It steals our energy and will create dis-ease. And they, like there have been tests on the uh, studies and tested that, you know, they they've rated people um, who had immune deficiencies and like rated them on, you know, how they self, um, identified whether or not they were living according to their core values. And it was clear that the people who were not living according to their values had weakened their, had weaker immune systems than people who were living according to their values. And this has probably been showing up in your life as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like my it, well it's an interesting shift right now because I feel like I was really energetically drained I mean you know i've had a lot of life happen in the last few years since I started my business and for the people listening um one just one example is that my mom passed away at the age of fifty two so I do believe that that was part of my energetic drain at first. And, um, I think it was also this internal conflict, the discord that you're describing. It it makes total sense to me. Um, and it reminded me of something that I read or heard about once. Um, I went to that retreat at Kripalu with Mm -hmm. Liz Gilbert and Rhea Elias, her, her now partner. Um, and she talked about this, uh, book called, I think it was called the mind body code by Mario Martinez. And it's about, essentially tribal shaming. Um, Not that people are deliberately shaming us, but they measured the cortisol levels of people who still were trying to play out that old relationship role, that old dynamic. Um, And this process that he led them through and before and after the cortisol levels were drastically reduced once they went through the exercise of basically letting that old part of them pass Mm -hmm. more or less. Um, So I know that's kind of a you know a sidebar here, but I think it speaks to what you're saying. That was actually last spring and that created a shift in me as well. Like, you know, I wrote a letter to an old part of myself that was that was trying to keep in this old relationship pattern with somebody that just wasn't working anymore. And I think that was also partially a springboard into the shift. It's like you said earlier, three to six months later you know, you, you see these things that play out in the, yeah. in the next six months after you leave that love bubble of a personal <laughs> growth event. That's what right. we always call it in Arbonne. Um, so it's interesting that you should say that because- I really, I've, I've heard a lot about that stuff. Yeah. And And I see it in my own life.
1: Oh yeah. And I think anyone listening who's had that experience where, you know, you've let go of an old story you had about Mm -hmm. yourself, like right when we're younger, we have this, we we identify with this story of who we are in the world. And then at different points in our lives, we let go of old stories Mm -hmm. and we realize that that's not true. We're actually somebody quite different. And the freedom it gives us when we fully embrace, like, That is not me. That was what I was telling myself I was. And then all new possibilities come in, and you start attracting new people and new opportunities in your life. So that's really cool. So, anyone who's had that type of experience, like that's what Libby is talking about with this exercise Um, she was led through at that retreat. So, Libby, what I'm curious about is so you're having these external conflicts because of a shift in yourself. Um, and you spoke earlier about, you know, first you have to, what's the word I want to use? Um, I'm going to say it the way I'm thinking it get right with the relationship with yourself. Mm. Right. So mm. tell me about the relationship you have with yourself right now.
0: Right now. Um, I, the relationship with myself, I think has uh, become much healthier and more authentic because I really did. I took it very seriously when my mentor said, I want you to sit quietly every day and ask yourself or ask your higher power, who am I and why am I here? Because that, that's the beauty of my industry. Um, and specifically Arbon, is that I, when I was working as a therapist, I saw myself, and we do this in our culture, as a therapist. I had to show up and be a therapist. And in Arbon, actually, all you have to do is show up and be yourself. And the more connected with who you are and your purpose and yourself you are, the better your business gets, which is, is kind of amazing. Um, but one thing that I've seen happening with my relationship with myself is you said, you know, we have these old stories that we let go of. Um, and I see it as these parts of myself that carry burdens. Um, and I've been unburdening those parts, like the the part, a younger part of me that carried the burden of being a mother to people who, who need me when I, I actually don't have children yet, but I was a middle child. <laughs> um, and I grew up kind of playing out that part with a single mom who worked all the time to make ends meet. Uh, and she, you know, put us before everything. And, um, so I kind of did take on that role. And so my, I was still trying to play out that part, even though I didn't need to do that anymore, that, that, you know, that burden that I carried as a, as a young person was carrying over into my adult life when I don't live in that context anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, as an answer to your question. But what I've noticed is I'm I'm unburdening these parts. I'm getting more connected with my self energy or source or soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, And not I've, I've honed my focus. Um, I felt very diffused energetically. Like my focus uh, was very diffused. um, And I wasn't able to really just be in the moment because I was constantly running this reel of um showing up for others in all these different ways and it was impossible like i was holding myself to this impossible standard and what if you know what's funny is i've actually felt like i did less last month i mean the end of the month was a big push but how this translates into my business is it felt le- like less effort to just be and kind of let go and not not have all these stories that I had to attend to, all these burdens that I had to care for. Does that make sense? I don't yes. know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it does. And what I heard and what you said, there are a couple of different stories that you've been letting go of. And then I want to talk about like where you are now. So you referenced that the nice thing about your businesses as compared to your old job is you don't have to show up as the counselor anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. So like, that's a story that probably lingered in your business for a while. After you left your job, you were being the counselor to your team, your peers, and maybe even like the people who are above you too. Like, Mm -hmm. this is who I am. I'm Libby the counselor. (laughs) Like I'm not afraid of awkward conversations. Like I remember you Declaring that, like that was your line. Like I, I love awkward. <laughs> I love awkward, crunchy conversations. I they just like I thrive off of them. Right, that's the empowered counselor mm. in you. Like, like you can still enjoy awkward conversations just because you're a bit of a comedian, but it's not because you're trying to save people from themselves or anything like that. So you've been letting go of your identity as the counselor and also the big one from childhood. I'm sure this has been an ongoing thing because anything from childhood typically has a bigger charge for us Mm -hmm. than a new role we may have taken on over the past few years. But that, that role of middle child and i've got it i'll take care of you you know don't worry about me you mm-hmm. know and you had that model of your mom who was the single mom and the giver and she did like what she was doing was always for you guys and that sort of mm-hmm. thing right this is this is the model you have in your mind of a strong empowered woman
0: mhm right mhm yeah somebody who puts others everybody before themselves and you know it was just to give a little bit more detail in the circumstance of my mother, it, it cost her her life. Um, so I was carrying this old story and this is something that I've continuously worked through the last few years. It's been very uncomfortable, but necessary is, you know, not having her story be my story, not having, you know, the story that, because she did become very successful and she could not receive that. It was really difficult for her and painful for her to to have, to be open to her success. So I had this story of, I can hear her voice saying it now. I was so much happier when I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I, I was, I had to let go of, um, affiliating my identity with her story because, you know, when you grow up, I, am sure we have people on here who are going to listen, who, you know, my family had addiction issues, um, all kinds of challenges around that stuff and my my mother specifically and you know especially when you're a middle child and you're you're taking on that role you can really just get that program it becomes your blueprint this is another thing that i've been working on is you know we get this blueprint from our upbringing and we try to when we try to evolve when we're doing our work the blueprint staying the same. So we're kind of trying, and this is what my mentor actually said as well. We're kind of trying to renovate the house from an old blueprint and that window keeps going in the wrong place. Even though you're trying to change where the window goes, you're like, no, 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 the window goes over here, but the blueprint is forcing the window to go back in the old place. Mm -hmm. So it's replacing my blueprint, not renovating the old blueprint. It's just creating a whole new one. Yep. So
1: perfect. This yeah. is this is exactly where we are now. And I do want to acknowledge like one of your the core values of who you are is being a giver, but you're redefining what that means. You're the giver with boundaries, right? So that's really great. Right. Um another thing I heard recently and I'm really taking it on and allowing my mind to wrap around it, but I think it's very relevant to the conversation we're having. All confusion is is that space between when we let go of an old story, but we have yet to take on the new one. Right? Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you love that? I do love that. Right? There's nothing wrong with confusion. It's just the space between when you get to explore and figure out Who you really are. So the sense I've gotten from you is like you really have done a good job of letting go of old stories. There's still the maintenance of that, right? We have to we (laughs) have to constantly because the blueprint and the people around us are going to keep putting the blueprint in front of us. And go, remember this, don't you remember? Pointing at it, right? This is where the (laughs) window goes, right? And you'll probably have people say to you, "I don't even know who you are anymore," right? Mm -hmm. Like, but that has more to do with like them than it, it, it does with you. Although you do recognize you're changing, so there is some maintenance to make sure the old blueprint doesn't try doesn't come back in during this state of confusion because that can be the thing. We confusion is uncomfortable, right? Mm. So sometimes we want to run back to safety, what we think is safety, but that's the old blueprint and that is not safe. There's a reason why you let that go. Like it was right. destructive. It was not empowering you anymore. It was holding you back and probably considering some of your old you know specifically your childhood blueprint, you know that will make you sick and mm-hmm. may kill you someday. Like so right. that that one's got to go. All right. And this is why I got the sense that, you know, that third core value of identity was probably going to become a big one in this <laughs> next phase and it was leader, right? right? So now let's, let's define what leader is to you because leader can be a very ambiguous word. Like when I say leader, like, I'm, like those listening, you probably have images of people from your past and, you know, like celebrities that come to mind when you think leader. Some of them not so good leaders, some <laughs> good leaders, right? But for Libby, tell me what your definition, like what that word leader means to you.
0: Um, well, that's a really great question, Jody. Maybe we'll hash this out right here and now. Um, for me, what first comes to mind is somebody who is is fair um and compassionate. And you know, I think I already I already have that. So well I mean, maybe we can kind of work this out together because it's interesting that I have what came I think when I sat with myself and tried to figure out who am I and why am I here the connector and giver came really quickly and the third thing I knew there was a third thing but I couldn't I I just I couldn't really accept it in and my whole life I kept getting put in leadership positions and I would get irritated by that I, I remember saying to one of my professors in graduate school like you know, my people wanted me to be the leader of a group project, even though somebody else wanted to do it. And I would be like, I don't want to be the leader anymore. I keep getting put in this leadership position. He was like, Libby, there's a reason for that. So you should be careful about how you approach this, you know, my, this mindset you have about not wanting to be a leader. So for me, I mean, I think the obvious thing is that people have always seen me as fair and compassionate and, and open to hearing, hearing everybody out. And I think, you know, in regards to what you were saying about letting, you know, even though I'm a connector and a giver, uh, letting go of what the old counselor Libby needed to be. Um, and you know, sometimes saying the things that a counselor might not say, you know, like addressing something with somebody that might be really uncomfortable, um, whether it be in my personal life or my professional life, you know, it's going to happen everywhere. Um, And I guess I mean I don't know. I guess I I need to figure out what it means.
1: Okay, and so in, in my book, Accomplished: How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. When we're we're trying to identify who we are, the first step is like, well, let's identify who we're not. Right. right? <laughs> so, what when you were put, you know, constant like you have this experience of people constantly want me to be the leader, and I'm so annoyed, and this irritates me, <laughs> and all this stuff. What caused you to become annoyed when people wanted you to be the leader?
0: Um, I think it was that I was, I might've had an old association with it meant that I had to do everything. Um, And I think a leader knows when to uh, count on others, when to delegate. Um, And that for me is something that I've struggled with in the past or when to just trust that, you know, I can't control the outcome like in my business, you actually can't do everything yourself. And I, and I had the old program of, if you want, I can hear my mother saying it, if you want it done right, just do it yourself. And it's not how this works in, in my industry. And I think ultimately, if you're trying to progress in your life anyway, and being a leader, be a leader in any aspect. So I think, you know, I was getting annoyed thinking that people wanted me to do everything for them. Um, maybe, or that I just, I, I think part of my discomfort was other people wanted to be leaders, but, but the group kept opting for me and I felt bad for the person who actually wanted to be the leader. I think it was about, you know, I was being a, maybe an enabler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it was irritating and uncomfortable for me. Um, I know that's kind of that's not a very black and white answer, but no,
1: this actually makes sense and is very relevant to what's going on right now. So let me let me make the connection. Um, the annoyance, like the the last thing you said, perfect sense. Um, other people wanted to be the leader, but you were the natural leader. Mm-hmm. Is that causing some of the
0: tension in your close relationships right now? You know, that's, I think that could be, that could be part of it for sure. Um, because um, I have always been really good at, whether it's in my personal or professional life, committing to other people's goals, for lack of a better word, you know, goals, we hear goals and we think, you know, it has to do just with business, but I think goals in life. Um, I'm really good at showing up as part of somebody else's goal. And then, you know, but what does it mean when I'm the one with the goal? Right, You know, that's terrifying if I'm being honest, right. because I have to be so vulnerable. I have to be the one declaring my goal and, and saying who's coming with me. And, you know, I've seen myself as part of someone else's, you know, other people's teams, you know, as as far as this, how this pertains to my business is I, and I am part of other people's teams. And now I am seeing myself as the leader of my own pack, my own tribe, whatever you want to call it. I see myself as the leader.
1: Okay. Now there's an old story in here about the leader too, going back to these group, you know, groups where one other person wanted to be the leader, but people wanted you to be the leader. So there was conflict there. Is there really only one leader?
0: No, (laughs) no, there isn't. And there can't be, you know, it's like, and it's so funny because I don't ever, you know, it feels a little silly even even thinking about that because that's just not how I see things. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, I... Oh, whoa, Jody, it just came to me. It's part of that programming that I've struggled with that my success is painful to other people. Does that make sense?
1: Where does like, that come well, my,
0: from? Well, that comes from my childhood. I do have a couple very vivid memories of um, feeling... Bad about you know achievements that I had where you know a, a sibling might not have had that or or a friend of mine might not have gotten the recognition that I got and i I saw the pain that it caused them, and it sounds so you know it sounds you know kind of it 's heartbreaking old. yeah it 's heartbreaking it hurts i 'm an i 'm too much of an empath that 's why I had to leave counseling is because it was too hard for me to see people in so much pain.
1: And this is what typically will hold women back. Women, like men can have superstars in their pack and they'll go, wow, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. 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 Whereas women, our experience of it is, I don't want to get too far ahead because then I'll make everyone else feel bad.
0: Right. And the very nature of what I do is actually we all get to go together. So that sounds like that's another kind of friction right there is, i'm have I have this old program when the reality of what I do is everybody gets to go, everybody gets to be the leader, and it 's actually better when everybody does take ownership of that um and to be totally honest, all of my leaders have always said you 're a leader, mm-hmm. you just need to let yourself be okay. and so i don 't know where you know I think there 's still a little bit of a hang up there. For me, and, and maybe for them too, because it, it does change the dynamics. It puts me at a different um, table, I guess you could say.
1: Right. But it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of this conflict is made up.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Like these are stories. <laughs> these are old stories <laughs> that, you know, again, these are parts of me that are trying to um, do a skill they used to do that kept me safe in an old context they're trying to do that job now, but the context is not the same. So the job doesn't serve the same purpose. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. And from the beginning of the call, so you knew there were these conflicts, you know there's a conversation that needs to have. We've talked about like that space of confusion or that renegotiating of the relationship, redefining new roles, right? So the mobile can get back to homeostasis, right? We've had a lot of metaphors and analogies for this one thing. But ultimately, where I'm seeing with this conversation, you said the result you were looking for was you needed to be detached from the outcome of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Right. So with the perspective of my outrageous success is only going to contribute to your success. If you mm-hmm. come, if you were able to come from that perspective, how would you have these conversations?
0: Um, I mean, that it's interesting you say that because when I'm in my best self energy, like when I am connected and present, that's, that's the only story is uh, this is, this is good for all of us. What's good for one is good for all, you know, high tides raises all ships, however you want to say it. Um, So in this moment, I feel very connected with that. And then sometimes I get in front of somebody and I might Buckle. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nope. This is perfect because this is the thing we all have to do with, right? This is a new identity for you. So you know this, but you don't know it right in your heart.
0: Right. you have information, but the experience has not connected the dots and had that light bulb moment where you're like, oh, this is what that means.
1: Right. It's almost like first we get the idea, like our brain clicks and we go, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's, or it lives for us. Like, oh, that's true. I, like, right. yes, that, Is the answer, but then it's almost like we have to integrate it into ourselves Mm. so that we don't have to think about it anymore, right? We don't have to remind ourselves, Oh, remember that like moment of inspiration or that (laughs) uh aha moment I had? Oh, yeah, remember that? Like it has to be become a part of who we are naturally. So Mm. there is then this process of integration. Right, we have to like. I'm here. We go. We're going to throw all the buzzwords. We have to <laughs> anchor it right into <laughs> ourselves. Oh, our counseling backgrounds and our coaching I know. Is, is like really like creating like all this jargon, but it has to become a part of you. So, what are some practices or things that you can take on that will remind you of this and the, this being that. Your being a strong leader, your being very successful, ripples out and only helps and contributes to others.
0: What are some ways that I can anchor myself to that? Yep. I would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I will say one thing that's been super helpful, yeah. and I, know I really notice the difference when I don't do it, is, is connecting quietly with myself. And my higher power first thing in the morning. Okay. Do not interact with others. I need to create my beautiful energy state mm-hmm. before I have any interactions. And I count email, social media, text, those are interactions. Yep. So, you know, being very disciplined about protecting my energy rich start to the day Mm -hmm. really does help me so much because then I go into the day in this, in this state of, um, of beauty, Mm -hmm. you know, of coming from a place of love and coming from my, my current self.
1: Awesome. Do you have affirmations that remind you of who you really are?
0: I do well I have one thing I do have is I have essentially what they are prayer cards Mm -hmm. Um, so cards that have you can call them meditations you can call them prayers you can call them affirmations um that I read every morning Mm -hmm. that I spent the last month of September um creating yeah for for different categories of my life so one was for focus one is for my passion one is for my identity Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So what? Here's here's a, something I want you to take. on. I invite you <laughs> to to take on this assignment. I want you just on a scrap piece of paper, write out affirmations of what I call truisms. Right. Okay. What is true right? So when you are in that good space, right? Cause you've said, it's like, you know, this is true, mm. right? You know, it in your heart of heart, but like you have to remind yourself of it before you go into a conversation and probably in the f- first five minutes of the conversation and then 15 minutes into the conversation, you are. And so the more you have it as a part of your daily ritual, the quicker you will integrate this. So I want you to write out some affirmations that feel that not, not the feel that are true to you, right? Mm. Like my success contributes to the success of others, right? Whatever that statement is, I want you to write a bunch of them. And mm-hmm. then the ones that have the greatest charge and light you up, I want you to create a card for. Okay. Right. All and, right. I, and I want you to repeat that that can help you anchor it. And so to answer the question, like how, do, how do we anchor like these new <laughs> ideas in our heads? since this is already part of your practice like right. this is something we can definitely like i'm not asking you to do something way off the wall that you'd never do like it's important to try to integrate something that makes sense into your life already so if you're a journaler like journal about mm-hmm. your aha moment and what that would look in your life if you do affirmations create affirmations um include it in your prayers. And and then for people who like create vision boards, like create a vision board that represents your new self so that it, it reminds you of you. And you know what? Like for those of you who are listening who might not have a practice like this at all, I want you to think of what is something simple that I could do? every day that doesn't, doesn't take too long that will remind me of who I really am. And there might be a, a, like a three-minute video that you found on YouTube that you can just watch over and over and over again, like a song that mm. like really connects with your soul that you can listen to at the beginning of every day, something simple, something easy, something that reminds you of who you really are so you're bringing your best, your highest self into the day.
0: Mm. Well, it's interesting too. Be, when you ask me, how do you anchor yourself to that? If I, if I were, if we were in opposite positions right now, I would have been able to answer that question. It's like easy for me to help other people do it, but not for myself. And and I will say one thing that I. I forgot that I do, cause this is basically like building a muscle. It's like training. You know, mm-hmm. I used to give the analogy of you're not going to lay on the couch for seven years eating French fries. And then the next day, get up and run a marathon successfully. Mm-hmm. You have to build outside of that, uh, environment where you're going to be called to use that muscle. Um, so it's building that muscle, right. Of, of, you know, when I go out into the world, so I do these affirmations in the morning, I go out into the world. And then I have built that muscle for when it's in a more strenuous or like triggering, however you want to say it situation where I might shrink myself, you know, around somebody else to protect their feelings. Um, So one thing I have done is I've, I've recorded some affirmations that I actually heard um, or read in a Louise Hay book. Uh, So I hear my own voice saying them, but I haven't been good about listening to them every day if I'm being totally honest. So being consistent, I think. But I would like to actually write new ones because I think that new blueprint is, is calling for something else.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Usually if we've given up a practice, it's because it doesn't have the same juice or charge for us anymore. So I think that, you know, when you say like, like I could tell you were like, Oh, I kind of feel bad. I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) But you know, you need to recreate it. Like if it has the new affirmations, the ones that light you up and give you a charge, like then you'd be more likely to do it. So that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They give you that. And I've actually had this feeling through this whole conversation with you. They give you that like it's almost like butterflies behind your eyes. You know what I mean? You're you have this physical response, or at least I do, when I know that like something powerful is coming into my sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when something is right for you. It's just like when you meet your partner or whatever it is, people say, Well, you just know. It, it's because you get that that um Energetic, just buzz kind of, and to be honest i've had this whole conversation with you um, because it's you know even just doing this interview is really putting myself out there and being vulnerable and owning my new truth my my new blueprint and my new challenges and 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 all of that it's really exposing myself, which in the past would make me want to vomit or run away and hide. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not supposed to say that.
1: (laughs) No, it's the absolute. You can edit that one out. No, 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 no. Like people can't see, but I'm dying laughing. I'm just not (laughs) making a sound. Um, No, it's absolutely true. You know, and like when we talked about that space of confusion, right? It's so icky. To be there, nobody wants to walk around being like I'm confused, right? About my pur- like, like, not my purpose, but like who I am and who I want to be and how do I be in these relationships when you don't even know necessarily what boundaries to set or what mm-hmm. conversation to have because there's this confusion, right? It's things aren't clear, right. and like that you signed up to do this when you were <laughs> in that state, even though we didn't put the label on it. Like that really says something about who you are living. That and for those of you listening, I. I want to really acknowledge you too because I know like a lot of you are probably in this place, sure. right? Where you have to sit with being confused and having things, you know, not going the like they're not making sense or they're not going the way you want, but you don't yet know what what to do about it. And I know as type A women, we are just dying to get to that place where it all becomes clear and we can just do something, right? <laughs> and we try to rush ourselves through mm-hmm. that stage. And I've talked about the cycle of change on the 100% Jodi episodes, right? If you're in the shuffle phase, right? Libby, mm-hmm. you're in the shuffle phase, mm-hmm. right? You're, re- you're trying to think about like, what's the next game you're going to be and who are you going to play? You know, what game are you going to play and who are going to be your teammates and who are going to be the opponents and that sort of thing? How is it all going to shake out? Like you're in that phase that most of us want to race through, right? right? And just get over with, but like the work to do is to kind of sit with it and be with it and that sort of thing. You're definitely towards the end of it. I can definitely sense. <laughs> like, And I think that's why you, probably why you wanted to do this call, even though it was going to make you throw up and be really vulnerable <laughs> and scary and all of that, because you know that the more you you face this head on mm. and re- really take it on and do the work, you might ha- you're probably going to have to sit with this for a little while longer, but you're further along.
0: Right. Well, and also um, it's the constant resisting of the urge to run back into the arms of the familiar pain. You know, people say their comfort zone, I call it the discomfort zone because it's this discomfort that we're, we're, Um, We know how to manage. Yeah. Um, So we have this urge to go back to what's familiar, even if what's familiar is super painful to us. So for me, it's resisting that urge too takes a lot of emotional discipline because you know the phone might ring and it could be somebody that I from my hometown that I grew up with, and I have to in that moment say okay is this going to move me closer to where I'm going or detract from that? And it's mm-hmm. it's not to say that this is all about a business decision, but this is about my life. Like this is about where I'm going um, and and being super mindful of not running back to the old chaos, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Like the react, I was in a reactive state instead of a Right. A proactive state, I guess you could say.
1: And you know, the benefit you have Libby and, and, you know, for those of you who are listening as well, like this is why we say to surround yourself mm. with with those who lift you up, because I can say for you, Libby, as much conflict as you're having with some, some of the closer relationships in your life, you also have a whole team of people who won't let you go back. Right. Right? right. We would call you. I would call you out. <laughs> like if I saw you, oh, no, I can't hide from I would, you either. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> I see you every week. Oh. Right. You can't go back. Like the moment you start talking that old language or you describe like your day in a way that would make me go, wait a minute. Like that's not boundary setting. That's that's right. doing too much for other people. What's going on? I would call you out. Not that I would be like mean or rude or anything, but as as your friend, as your spiritual companion.
0: I would call you on that. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, we keep these people, we keep each other um, accountable spiritually, you know what I mean? Because this really is, I believe a lot of this is all just so connected to our spiritual process. Um, I don't have to spend time with people like you. (laughs) I choose to spend time with people like you. And I've been so blessed, the leaders that I work with, you know, the people who are coming into my sphere right now too. like just tend to be that type of person. And again, it doesn't mean I can't love the people who aren't necessarily on that path um, or that I can't love the path that those people are on. It just means that I have to be okay with accepting myself on a different path and not, not, um, not comparing it, you know, they, you know, there, there's that old saying comparison is the death of joy. You know, like I think part of it is attaching to, again, that old part that's like, it is my personal growth path making somebody else uncomfortable? Right. <laughs> but that's why I surround myself with people who are also on a personal growth path
1: Right. And you have to have a lot of compassion for yourself. I think what you're speaking to is mm. that which you give away so readily to other people, you have to give to yourself. Right. <laughs> Damn it. All right, Libby. <laughs> is there anything you um need to say at this point?
0: Um well, one thing that I just want to say to everybody who's listening is go for it, first of all. And also and I'm saying this for myself, go for it. And you guys, we are all worthy of, of doing this and being heard. And everybody, what I've been, what I'd like to challenge people to do is every time you want to run back is say, I'm, I'm moving forward with this because somebody else needs me to, you know, it's not just about meeting other people's needs, but like that story is going to serve you know you're only going to grow and it's also going to serve somebody else if you're somebody like me who loves to have your pain be purposeful <laughs> um just remembering that this is making the world better your little space when you improve that it's going to make the whole world better
1: I really want to acknowledge Libby for getting so vulnerable it was not easy for her but she knew it would be good for her and her business and for those who would listen to this episode as well and Libby sent me a text an hour or so after we finished recording because she was experiencing an exposure hangover. I spoke about my own experience with the exposure hangover in a 100% Jody episode regarding an episode I did on my own spirituality. So if you want to know what this is, you can go back and listen to that. But to sum it all up, it's right after we get really vulnerable and put ourselves out there, we have this moment of doubt and self-criticism. So this is what she was going through. And what happened was Libby's old story started playing itself out, and she was worried about the potential negative impact this episode would have on others. When we talked it through and looked at this episode through the lens of her new story of her leadership and her success being something that ripples out and benefits all of those around her, All the internal conflict and worry went away. That's how powerful our stories are and why we need to be aware of them and also have people in our lives who won't let us play small, who won't let us live by our old stories. In this episode, I promised Libby I would call her on it if she showed up as her old story and she gave me the opportunity to keep my word within hours. Libby, thank you again for being such a giver, a connector, and a leader. And for those of you listening, Libby and I hope this was of value to you, and here's to your success. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone.